Hello and welcome to This Cannot Be Serious, a dive into the weird and wonderful world of tennis. Spring is upon us and we're nearly allowed to play tennis again. Uh, bet you're excited about that, Joe, aren't you? I am. I'm uh, sick of uh, hitting a ball in a car park, uh, an abandoned car park behind a cinema that's been closed for about six years, wow, to be what precise. A, what a dystopian ideal. Um, yeah, um, obviously it's been Miami. Um, this week, obviously, quite a few withdrawals. Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, Serena, Murray, team, Vavrinka, Chorich. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a bit of bad luck for the organisers of that tournament, isn't it? it? It is, but it's kind of to be expected. I mean, America's not in the. I think, especially Florida, is not in the greatest of shapes right now with the pandemic, and it's it's a long way to go for just one tournament when it's. Back to back, Indian Wells, then Miami. It makes a bit more sense, but it just seems like a lot of hassle to go through to for a one week tournament. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's always been a bit of a funny swing, that hasn't it? The the bit in between, uh, yeah, with Indian Wells and Miami moving into the clay court season, as you we kind of discussed before. It's um, the clay court swing tends to have so many tournaments, doesn't it? Which has obviously favoured Nadal in the past. Yep, too many tournaments, if you ask me. But that's yeah. a discussion for another day, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, how did you feel? Because when uh, Murray was a very late withdrawal with a, a groin injury, was it? Yes, yes, that's right, yeah. Like, when I saw Nadal pull out, Federer pull out, and then Djokovic, uh, I guess I should apologise to him. You know, he, although he didn't mention an injury, he just said he wanted to spend more time with his family. So he sounds fine. He just, you know, couldn't be bothered, which yeah. is fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was looking at that and thinking, you know what, if, if Murray has a, a good week, you know, he could do some damage here. So it's yeah. a bit of a shame. Yeah, I don't know, really. I mean, it kind of, I, I, I saw saw this week that Murray said he, he felt he had the capabilities to go out and win Wimbledon, which I thought was, um, I mean, I don't see that really. But um, obviously, I'd love to see Murray back. I don't, I, I mean, it's it, it's hard to say, really, because you've hardly seen anything of him to kind of judge how far he'd go in a tournament. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've kind of, uh, I, I love Murray, but it, it feels like, I don't think he's going to be going deep in tournaments going forward. Really, I think um, that's just my personal opinion, anyway. But it's it's been so so long out, so long before he's been able to actually kind of stamp his authority on on, especially in latter stages against top players. But I suppose he wouldn't have been playing top players in Miami. No, it's true. I, I guess the thing that concerns me is um, it seems to always be a different injury now. Yeah, You know, if it was like the hip constantly, that's kind of to be expected. But he seems to, every tournament, it's something new, which is not a great sign when, you know, you're approaching mid-30s. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 um, yeah, it's a tricky, it's a, it's a tricky one for Mario. I hope he kind of obviously comes back and I think grass may be his best opportunity uh, to kind of have quick points and put less pressure on his joints and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I think there's just so much competition, especially with Fed coming back, potentially obviously in the summer and stuff like that, that for him to say, I think he has an opportunity to win Wimbledon. But I suppose he's got to think that, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like why, uh, why would you bother trying to make a comeback if you don't feel like you're capable of, of winning like the highest tournament 
again. So yeah. that be- that being said, I did love him playing with uh, Delise for Luciano Lopez. Oh uh, yeah, God, that feels like ages ago now. Yeah, I was I was there at Queens for uh, I think the semi final of that, and uh, yeah, the atmosphere was incredible. I remember seeing you on TV and sending you a, a picture of yourself on TV. Yeah, it was it was an exciting time for me. It was the start of my media career. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was something else. I, I actually knew the camera was on me, so I kind of uh, I had a had a more stern expression than <laughs> I think I said. Come on, Andy, didn't I? On it, you you looked um, you looked like one of his coaches rather than your average fan, which like I think is a great look, to be honest. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess one other thing that while we're talking about injuries and comebacks and stuff, did you see? Del Potro had another knee surgery this week. I saw that, yeah. So that's um yeah, really disappointing for him, isn't it? It's um I was watching some great matches recently. I was watching for some, you know, when you're on YouTube and just random tennis matches from the past came up. It was the the Nadal versus Del Potro match from a couple of years ago, and you just thought, wow, like so such an exciting player. Um it's so sad that he's had that setback really. It's and it, I don't know how many knee surgeries he's had now, but it just shows how much he wants to keep trying to play. Like uh, I think your average player would have retired many surgeries ago. Yeah, um, but he just keeps keeps trying to come back, and like huge respect. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the, the last one was really bad, wasn't it? Was that like a broken? That was like a broken leg or something, wasn't it? I think it was like a potentially broken kneecap or something like it was something horrendous it was bad it was really bad um so yeah uh, i just wanted to uh to give him a shout out yeah um i guess since we're talking about miami withdrawals and and things like that i suppose we should play this week's edition of i'm thinking of calling this segment stump henry um and the kind of the joke is i guess that it makes it sound like it's difficult to stump you but in reality every week you're always stumped yeah exactly yeah so um so it's kind of uh, related a little bit to to last week's uh, trivia question for you um so given the fact that we've got no Djokovic Nadal Federer or Murray playing in Miami yeah um it's been a bloody long time since a Masters 1000 draw hasn't included any of the top three or top four for that matter. Big four rather. Um, instead of giving me a you know rough time in history when the last event took place without any of those guys, yeah, I want you to tell me how many, and you'll, you'll have to do some maths here, which I know is your forte. Yeah. How many Masters 1000 events have taken place since that last one where none of them featured? Okay, so I reckon... I'll give you a hint here because it's not like Federer debuted in 1998 and then didn't miss a single one ever. He did choose to, to skip a couple. So it's not it's not like way, way back, but it is still... A long time ago right okay okay well i i would probably guess um at 
I reckon two fifty. Oof. Ooh, you've uh, you've way overshot there. Oh really? So yeah. it's not not actually that long. That's not that long ago then. It because uh, I, th- I think there are nine per year. Oh okay. Yeah. If yeah. If, if that helps your your math at all, um, do, you, do you want another crack at it? Uh, yeah, I reckon. Okay, so I reckon. I reckon one hundred and twenty. So that's much closer. So 138 is the the actual one, which was uh, the Paris Masters in 2004. Wow. Now, for bonus points, not that you got any points ever, um, (laughs) can you tell, you know, obviously you're not going to know, but can you have a decent guess at who won that event? And I'll give you some clues. Okay. Clue Um, number one. Clue number one. Uh, former world number one. Um, Ferrero. No. Uh, clue number two, uh, multiple time Grand Slam winner. Leighton Hewitt. No, but yeah, good guess. Um, clue number three, I've forgotten what clue number three is. Um, clue number three is he was, uh, this is like the very tail end of his career. Um, He's not, he's not like the big name like Agassi, Sampras, but he was kind of around in that. His peak powers were basically two thousand. Jeez, uh, it's not a rod, is it? No, no. Uh, uh, I'll I'll give you the the country. Um, okay. So. He is from Russia. Oh, what Davidenko? No, you always say Davidenko. Yeah, in my in my mind, he's one. Of, is it Marat Safin? It is Marat Safin. Wow, gosh, yeah, that was appalling from me. But he, I, I he's he's always he's always one of those that I kind of forget how good he was because he how, how many how many times did he win a slam? How many times did Marat win a slam? Twice. God, that's um. But he, all I think of him as is somebody with a really bad temper. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah, I've seen many. Uh, you were talking about getting lost in YouTube videos earlier. I, I was watching one earlier today, which uh, was, you know, biggest temper tantrums or something like that. And he featured frequently. Yeah, I think he was a, a man who had heavy abuse of his racket. Um, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. What was that video you sh- you sent me a video this week of somebody or last week of somebody throwing their tennis racket at their bag from, I mean, quite a long way away. Where was that? Uh, that was on a, a challenger tour. I can't remember. Um, obviously, I wouldn't know who the <laughs> who the players were or even where the event was. But yeah, it was uh, quite. Uh, we've seen a few displays so far this year of racket abuse or just fits of anger and yeah, yeah that, that guy really launched the racket yeah it was actually quite impressive he, he looked like he had quite a lot of control over his uh his weapon of choice that's what i thought yeah he was an impressive guy somebody who would uh i think would appreciate a racket smash and has had no well had many problems with uh, authorities in the park is novak djokovic um and his dad, I don't know if you happen to catch his dad. I'm going to play a bit, a bit of a game with you, actually, Joe. There's oh, God. One. So, Sir, Sir Jan, I think that's how it's S. How would you pronounce S R D J A N? 
Sir Dan. Sir, okay, let's let's go with Sir Dan. Okay. Uh, he was speaking to a Croatian journalist uh, this week about his son, his achievements. Obviously, a very proud father. Uh-huh. Um, and so, basically, there's there's. I want you to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read out three statements for you here. Yeah. Is a part of the interview. I want you to say whether you think they're bang on. I understand how he could see it that way. Yep. Or you're a moron. Okay. Um, bear in mind, my default position on Novak's dad is you're a moron, but I'll try and be just, impartial for this. Yeah, take, take, the, take, take the quotes in isolation, then judge them on their individual merits. Yeah. Okay, so this is the first one. Um, he said, according to the number of weeks at number one and in head-to-head matches, according to the number of Masters titles, the only thing he lacks is Olympic gold and those two Grand Slam titles, which he will win this year. Um, what's the one which you said you can see his point? I can see where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah, let's go for that. Yeah, see where he's coming from. I can see where he's coming from. Um, I think there's more to it than the things he's just outlined. Um, I... He's won won the Golden Masters. I think that's hard for you to... And that's... And that's that's great, brand Djokovic, but he's uh, he's won the Golden Masters, which is something nobody else has done. The Golden Masters, the thing that uh, nobody even you know knew was a thing until he actually won it, and then oh yeah, that's a great achievement. Yeah, has no he got, he's got he's got a better head-to-head record than against Federer and Nadal. Is that right? Uh, he does. Um, I can't remember the Nadal head-to-head. The Federer one is very close. It wasn't close, but obviously, as Federer's got up there in age. Um, <laughs> Novak's racked up the wins as of late. Um, that's true. That's that's kind of not discussed that much, is it? Like, like when he played them in his career is quite important. Yeah, absolutely. And they played, um, you know, from 2014, 2015 onwards, they played a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I do I think he's going to win two Grand Slams this year. I don't think he's winning the French. So yeah. you're basically saying Wimbledon and the US Open. Can he do it? Sure. Well, will he do it? No, I'm going to I'm going to say he won't do it. Fine. So you're giving him you're giving him the benefit of the doubt on that. Yeah. One. The second the second statement is he is the best and everything in the world of tennis depends on him. He can lose but not lose because his opponent outplayed him, but because he allowed his opponent to beat him. You're a moron. <laughs> I thought you might say that. It's, uh, that's ludicrous. That is an unbelievable statement, isn't it? Uh, I, I, there, I don't have any words for that. To, to be so arrogant to think that the person across the net could never play better than him on any given day, and he just allows that person to win that day. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I, I think that is definitely a, a completely bizarre statement. But I think everything in the world of tennis depends on Novak Djokovic. Is so unholy true. <laughs> I just can't. I can't fathom, even with paternal pride, how you can come to that conclusion. Yeah, there's. This is why I quite like um, Uncle Tony. Whenever he. Uh, gives an interview or quotes or whatever he's pretty balanced and fair 
like he never comes out and says Rafa's the greatest of all time or you know he's God's gift to tennis or whatever Novak's dad is spouting um he basically generally says still up in the air at the moment like right now he'd probably still say Federer but you know let's see what happens in the next couple of years yeah I mean well, they're just not in the limelight that much um so I, I, don't, I don't know it's so contentious mm. um I, I also I just don't know what planet he's on really I mean yeah I, don't, I that was baffling but we go we're going for your more yes a- absolutely I think I'd agree on that one. So the third one, which might be slightly less contentious than that one, was he's still the best tennis player in the world um, and also one of the best athletes of all time. An English journalist said last week, even though they are fierce opponents, that his rivals are no longer Federer or Nadal, but compare him instead to Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan. He's that category. Okay, so I I actually thought that the first part was fair. The best yeah. tennis player in the world uh, right now, he's world number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, I, I don't think you can really dispute that. Um, and then then he started moving into athlete, the best athlete, right? Yeah, a, an English journalist, which was suitably vague. Yeah. Um, I have, whenever I have chats with, with friends who aren't, big tennis fans and we're talking about greatest greatest athletes greatest sports personalities of all time sort of thing um tiger woods comes up michael jordan comes up roger federer comes up ali comes up uh you got uh messi and ronaldo yeah no one i no one has ever uttered the phrase novak Djokovic to me no, I, I mean, there's there's quite a few things that are weird about this. I mean, aside, yeah, aside from the point that I'd probably say Federer, and, okay, probably Federer's bigger than Nadal, but they're not a million miles away from Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan. I'd say Federer's, uh, maybe not with the close stuff, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's such a, I mean, Fed, Federer is up there for, icons right in terms of like world sport will go down as one of the greatest i think so yeah but he's disregarded him he's not interested in in playing little leagues with uh with roger federer and nadal he's setting his sight on tiger woods and michael jordan so um this guy i mean uh, to to play the game i'm gonna go with your moron on this one as well um i this this guy lives in his own fantasy land he cannot stand either Federer or Nadal. Um, he basically thinks the world's out to get Novak. Um, and you you will never get a quote or interview from him that's of any value or merit. Wow. Powerfully said. <laughs> <laughs> Just my opinion. Yeah, I think that's probably it. A valid one, mate. It's just, it's just, just very strange that somebody hasn't maybe said to, we're going Sir Dan, Sir Jan. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, very, very strange that he was, well, giving this interview, but it was very, very bizarre anyway. Yeah, what, um, what we're talking about, like people that I really don't like. Can I throw something out there at you? Absolutely. I think the, like, I mean, Djokovic is fairly widely 
hated among the tennis world. Um, but I think the next Novak Djokovic, the the young Djokovic who is just really starting to get on people's nerves, is Alexander Sasha Zverev. So he's he's been taking a pop at your boy. He's. I, I won't even go into the allegations of you know being a bad abusive boyfriend and all the other stuff that you know has come out over the past year or so yeah um so you, you, let's put that to one side which is hard to put to one side but let's just do that he is just constantly moaning about something for the past month or so he's moaned about his his world ranking which i think is seven potentially now six and he's talking about how unfair it is about the rankings being frozen and stuff like that it's not like he would be world number one if the rankings were you know reality he would be number five maybe at best and you've got people you know in the Two, top 200 like really struggling and he's moaning about a couple positions in the top 10 i mean just just shut up mm. <laughs> he, he um he, yeah I, th- I think you're right i think he's he's thoroughly unliked and obviously he's got the the covid stuff and all the yeah the lack of kind of contrition oh, that he showed God this year dear. my favorite from our friend sasha was i think we might have mentioned on one of the previous shows was uh was when he said he'd prefer win the ATP Tour Finals than win a Grand Slam. Oh, God, yeah. And you were like, you can say that once you've won a Grand Slam. Yeah. (laughs) And don't pretend like the ATP Tour Finals. We've seen the winners in the past few years that it's as important as a slam. It's not. (laughs) It's definitely not. It's like the the Golden Masters. It doesn't count. You make it. Um, But yeah, so so weird. What, 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 What does he actually say about Federer this this week? Um, I, I, I didn't see any specific Federer quotes, I don't think, but um, he has in the recent past um, mentioned him as, you know, like being above him in the rankings. Basically, like, uh, you know, I love Roger and all, but he hasn't played in in over a year, blah, blah, blah. Why is he ranked above me? Yeah. You know, which I, I, I can see where he's coming from, but it doesn't really make that much difference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, he also, obviously he's changed his look. He's gone kind of old, old school Nadal sleeveless. Yeah. Sleeveless top these days. Actually, I saw a, there was a, he, he looks like he's bulked up. Cause I remember when, it, when, when he came out with the sleeveless, everybody was kind of like, oh, he looks absolutely ridiculous. Only Nadal can pull that off. Look at his arms. They're pathetic. Yeah. I think he's been doing some some push-ups. Um, what else would you do for your upper body? Some bicep curls. He's been doing something because he, look, he, looks, he looks a lot bigger, actually. I think um, you might be right. Um, which maybe. I think you would do if you were getting the, the piss taken out of you for having tiny arms. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> And that's why we're going on court next week with full tank tops, ready to go. I mean, I don't know what you've been doing during lockdown, but I've been sculpting my yeah. upper body. Yeah, I've seen your Instagram posts. Thanks, uh, and uh, yeah, so moving on to Wimbledon. 
obviously they announced last week of the ticketing um, situation. So there's going to be no queues. Is that right? Yeah, no, um, you know, the annual tradition of getting in your tent and queuing overnight two days sometimes, uh, that's uh, no longer a thing. Which is year, always great. It's always a great TV section. Oh, yeah. They, they love it, don't they? Interviewing the people who have stayed at camped out to to watch Federer or whatever. It's, um, yeah, it's a shame. I think they've, um, I do, I do, yeah, obviously we've, We've been in the past few years, really enjoyed it, but I think it's going to be very hard to get tickets this year. Yeah, they've. Um, I think they basically said they'll be doing online-only sales um, starting at the end of June. What those sales look like, I don't know. I don't know if you'll be able to select days or just you know go for anything and see what you get kind of thing, like the ballot. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, definitely won't be full capacity. Yeah, um, I think they're doing kind of reduced capacity on centre court and that kind of thing. They're like outside grounds, people are allowed to get, I presume, will be similar to the French Open. I, I presume so, but I don't think they've, uh, I think they, they said they're leaving it up until as late as they can to determine capacity to try and, you know, obviously get as many people in there safely as possible. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be different <laughs> this year for sure. Um, hopefully, a return to normal in twenty twenty two. But isn't it at the end of June, start of July, Wimbledon, or is it July? Yeah, it's normally end of June and early July. But like, uh, I I don't I have no idea about vaccinations and things like that. But there's no guarantee that uh, someone like you or I will even be vaccinated by then right uh i'm not sure i'm pretty sure it's like i think they've only promised maybe before the end of july or august oh right so i don't know i just feel like if you're not vaccinated you're probably not going to get in yeah that's true i i i I mean so much could happen obviously between now and and then um i think I, i read something from kind of the chairwoman of the um, all England Tennis Club. I think they were kind of obviously looking at all possibilities. With obviously a distinct possibility that there'll be no fans there this year. But obviously playing, playing, playing the tennis and just getting the tournament run is the most important thing that they can do. Um, Absolutely. They were. Um, I don't know if you saw last year, but they were basically the only tournament in the world that had insurance for this kind of thing. Yeah, amazing foresight, wasn't it? Yeah, incredible. Um, but I think that only was good for like a one-time use. So if they uh, miss another one, you know, they won't. Gone up, I think. Say that again? Premiums have gone up, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what, I mean, if going back, obviously with no cl- crowds there and uh, if there are no crowds there, is it, um, to, to what extent has Federer's, um success at the tournament been based on the backing that he's had or has it been, Based on that at all? Uh, very little. Do you think? Uh, yeah. Uh, you, I, the second you asked me that, I had a flashback to being in the crowd for the Wimbledon 2019 final, where he broke in the final set, uh, you know, seven games to eight or something, and the entire crowd chanting Roger during the break. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we all know what happens next. I won't relive that, but 
that's why I think, um, yeah, I, I don't think, I think it's always nice to have the backing of the crowd, obviously. Yeah. I don't think it makes a difference to the top guys. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, Nadal's slightly different with um, the French Open just because I don't think they're as ferocious fans of him as the, well, especially the Brits are about Federer. So it's hard to draw a comparison, really. But yeah, I think I imagine maybe it will just take the pressure off him if he if he does get to that stage then. Yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge if it comes. Uh, yeah, and uh, on to a topic that... I think we discussed many times, which is kit choices. Um, oh, yeah. Kit sponsors, um, Feeler have come out this week and sported a new range, which was uh, was advertised by Sophia Kennan um, and Ash Barty. Um, unfortunately, I think they were struggling on the male side. They got Riley Apelka. Oh God! Uh, so yeah, they were scraping scraping the barrel. But I think um, I think James Ward was a, a Feeler man. I'm surprised they didn't bring him into the fray um but um if you had to talk about kit sponsors that you'd least like to wear what who would which which brands would be in that category for you i mean the first one that comes to mind is our i think one of our least favorite brands hydrogen Hydrogen. I don't. You see, I, I think I think I'm drawing a bit of an affinity to hydrogen now. I think it's so uncool. <laughs> it's been worn. Who's been worn by Fanini, Basilashvili? Uh, you just hear it with is all these random kind of maybe th- like thirty to fifty in the ATP rankings. Yeah, I feel like a, a lot of Italians have worn hydrogen. I don't know if it's an Italian brand. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe it is. Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's a bit lame. It feels like something kind of a thirteen-year-old skater boy would wear. It's exactly that. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so that's I'm the gonna, first that comes to mind for me. Yeah, the next one for me, and this might be slightly controversial, but I always think their kits look dreadful. Uh, I really don't like Lacoste. Oh, neither do I. I think it looks awful. It does and look I, awful. Like, um, and I'm not just saying that because Djokovic wears it, but I just, I just think it's. I don't know. It always looks like not very, not very well designed. It always looks like big. There's not. It never looks. They always look like they're kind of not very well fitted. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sl- yeah, a little bit boring. Um, what's the um? What's the one that Murray's wearing these days? Well, Castore. Castore. What is that? Like, why is he the only person in the entire world wearing this stuff? I don't know. It's kind of it's premium tennis wear isn't it? And it, I don't, I'd be interested to try it out. To me, it's in like the, actually, I mean, in terms of, if, if we're talking about kit sponsors, I quite like, I always liked Le Coq Sportif. Mm. I always thought of that I'd, I'd look quite good in a kind of Richard Gasquet get up. Yeah, I, I can see that. I think you'd, uh, you'd look like you were trying quite hard, but I think it's that kind of premium end of the market, really. Yeah, I think I looked up uh, a couple of years ago, like how much they were charging, and it was, easily three digits for like a pair of shorts really yeah it was unbelievable um so i'm glad i'm not a diehard andy murray fan to be honest yeah yeah it's um i don't know who's buying it i'm not sure what yeah, yeah. What murray has these days what's your what's your views on uniqlo um you know this is typical me here but 
thought it was absolutely awful um, pre-Federer. Then Federer starts wearing it. I'm like, actually, it's not too bad. Yeah, it feels like it feels like um, the people at Uniqlo really like Federer and really hate Kei Nishikori. Oh man, they always dress him like he looks like a Neapolitan ice cream. He looks awful. I, I, I mean, I still think I, I think Uniqlo is garbage. I mean, I, I, I still think Federer looked much better in Nike stuff. He, I mean, he, there's no debating that. Yeah, I mean, we happy to happy to say Nike. You think Nike's the best? I think it has to. I over the past few years, I feel like the quality has certainly dipped. Yeah. Um, but during during their peak. Yeah, some of the kits Nike was coming out with were incredible. Even when you go back to like the Sampras days, like the, some iconic kits from Nike. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, you do remember the Nike ones, don't you? They just stand out. They just look good. And I think um, I've always been disappointed when Murray was with Adidas. I just thought Adidas kits were so boring. Like really, really boring. Then you had Nike, which had like really kind of colourful, nice, especially looked good in like on the clay or when it was like really hot and sunny and bright colours and stuff like that. It just looked good. Yeah, absolutely. One thing Nike has done well as well is kind of promote the like the Rafa Bull logo, the RF logo. Like those have kind of become iconic thanks to Nike. Yeah. Um, and you look at, you know, the Andy Murray equivalent, the Novak Djokovic equivalent, like no one would really know what that is unless you're like a pretty decent tennis fan. I think a few years ago, we, I think we, we did, we looked at loads of different logos from different tennis players and there's some really like, I think Thomas Burdick (laughs) had his own logo. I remember that, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not. I just don't know. I don't know who's buying that. No, no. Oh, poor Thomas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's 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 had some good bust ups on court. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. I always felt sorry for for guys like him and and Songa. Um, just you know, really decent players, but were so far apart from the top. Yeah, I, I think of Thomas Burdick, I think big legs. He's <laughs> a, a man who has very, very strong thighs. He does. I, I, when I think of him, I kind of, again, this is probably due to clips on YouTube, but I just feel like I've seen several players hit shots where he just hasn't moved because he just hasn't seen it coming at all. And he's just stood there watching like an incredible drop shot. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my, my Thomas Burdick memories. He felt like a formula tennis player, you know, the kind of the best, the best players could kind of come out of that funk and uh, all those good, but I, I, you know, Murray was very good at that as well in terms of like improvising shots when they saw things coming. I just, you just never felt that with Burdick. It was like a certain pattern of play. And he yes. Veered away from that. Absolutely. That, um, while we're, I like to, you know, I like to break break news on this podcast as as it happens yeah. um so sam query's just lost in miami in round one if you remember sam query yeah yeah uh, he lost to a guy who has not won an atp main draw match since september of 2017 wow um some guy called 
Lou. I don't. I don't. I don't have any more information. Was right it L U? Yeah. Right. I feel like there's been a few Lou's. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's that's incredible. I mean, Query. You think back to that Murray Wimbledon match. I know oh, Murray, Murray, Murray's hip had basically disintegrated by that point, but yeah. it's uh, yeah. How? Because what what happened with it? Was he he was playing he was playing a tournament, wasn't he? This was it last year, and he flew out of somewhere when he had COVID or so. Oh, he he was declared that he had he was positive, and then he flew out or something like that. Something like that. That rings a bell. Um, I was in the crowd for that query Murray match. Oh really? Yeah, painful wow. to watch. Was it was it really noticeable that Murray was gone by then? He, if I recall, he either started well or had like uh, a comeback where it's like, oh, actually, you know, he's looking all right. But by the end of that, I think it went five sets. He looked, he, yeah, he looked like he couldn't really walk. I think he st- I think he started well, didn't he? I think maybe other one or two sets up, and then he yeah. obviously just completely went off the rails. But yeah, that was painful, painful to watch. I just yeah, I still don't think Murray's kind of moving, moving that well. Um, no, I agree. Yen Yen Sun Lu from where? Where's he from? Uh, God, you're really testing me here. Um, Yen Sun Lu. I don't know. Like Twitter is making it sound like he hasn't played tennis at all in like four years, and this is well, such a terrible result. That's been a lot there. <laughs> yeah, um, Taiwan. Right. Okay. Nice. Yeah, here's one. Wow. Here's some Lu. Uh, is it Lu? Lu Hyun or Han Lun Yu? Uh, I don't know. But this guy, he's won more titles on the ATP Challenger Tour than any other player in tennis history. Wow. So that's, that's pretty impressive. That's his level. Yeah. It's like Steve, isn't Steve Johnson like the most successful college player college player of all time or something? And then you just see him just getting schlupped in these. I, <laughs> I always love it when commentators call him the most winningest college player of all time. Yeah. And he just has not been able to translate it. No, I mean... I mean, it's pretty competitive. I don't know too much about the US college scene. I think it's quite it's, it's quite competitive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're talking about non-professional tennis, I imagine you can't get much better than than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, a topic for another day. I have this theory where Amer- American male players are only good if their name's kind of cool. Like, if it's just like a really boring name, they're going to be terrible. But would you would 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 Taylor Dent fit into that? Oh no, that is kind of a. No, I, I shouldn't have said cool. Some a name that's a bit more unique. The only exception I could think of was Jack Sock. Yeah, Jack Sock's pretty horrendous, isn't it? Yeah, but like I'm thinking like Ryan Harrison. I'm thinking um, is Ryan Steve Johnson. A cool name? No, I'm I'm talking the boring names that. Are, never go anywhere oh okay um and then the the american players that actually make it are guys like andy roddick pete sampras andre agassi like those are cool american names yeah 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 um so i think that's what the 
American men's game is missing, quite frankly. That's that's an amazing insight. I, love <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, I mean, moving on from the kind of challenger tool element of things, um, gunning for gunners, Prajnesh. How's he you, doing? You had, had any updates? I think last last time I checked, obviously no more no more news following um, missing out on um, in Miami in the qualifiers. Or was it Dubai? Uh, I think Dubai. With Dubai, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. missed out in Dubai, but it hasn't hasn't been seen since. So it's taking a bit of bit of time out. So um, sadly, when we have more information on on Prajnesh and how he's doing, um, always like to follow somebody outside the the top hundred. So we'll uh, we'll update you update you when we hear more. But is there any more any more news from FedWatch? Uh, no, uh, still in Dubai. Um still trying to decide apparently which clay tournaments he's going to enter um i still probably reckon madrid is the most likely bet but uh maybe he'll aim for something smaller i i'm not too familiar with the atp 250 clay tournament levels um for obvious reasons so maybe it'll be one of them i don't know they must be so excited about the prospect of getting somebody like him along oh yeah for sure yeah absolutely um I, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but it does really annoy me how many marquee tournaments are on clay when you compare it to grass. Like grass doesn't even have a, a 1000 event. Like, yeah, that's that's, shocking. That, that seems really, um, yeah, that does seem really unfair, doesn't it? I, I, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll chat about it another day. I'm not, I think I'm, I'm coming around to the conclusion that clay is much better than grass to watch. That's that's sacrilege, my friend. Yeah, we'll chat about chat about it another time, mate. But um, yeah, well, thanks very much for listening to this. Cannot be serious. Um, yeah, please subscribe or tell your friends if you if you enjoyed what you heard. But uh, hopefully, we'll be back again uh, next week to discuss potentially who's won Miami and uh, and other matters of the tennis world. So it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Joe. Thanks very much. <laughs>